I'm Kaylin. And I'm Logan. And this is Bones, a true crime podcast. The case we have for you this week is back in Missouri and was actually suggested from a listener who commented on our t-shirt giveaway. Which, speaking of our giveaway, I have picked up our t-shirt order and I'll be getting all of those delivered this week. We're working really hard on improving our audio and appreciate everyone that's suffered through so far. We took last week off to get our new platform switched over and we're hoping this is a lot better for you guys. It definitely seems more user-friendly so far, and we can also start using it for guest interviews, so I'm really excited about that. For pictures and information related to this week's case, you can follow us on Instagram at Bones a True Crime Pod, like us on Facebook at Bones a True Crime Podcast, and email us with any information or case suggestions at Bones a True Crime Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss out on our future episodes. Now let's dive in. Okay, I think we have all of our housekeeping done, so I can't wait to tell you all about this one. This week I'm going to be telling you about the mysterious disappearance of Nicole Mallett. This case gets a little messy and there's a whole lot of drama amongst the victims' families. I'm going to do my best to give you all every perspective and I want to remind everyone that this is an open and active investigation. I really want to play devil's advocate because it seems like each side is strongly opinionated on what they think happened to Nicole. So, Logan, you'll have to help me out if I start sounding a little bit biased because obviously I do have an opinion after doing all of this research. I can definitely help you out. I'm kind of lean the same way you do sometimes, so it might be hard, but we will try our best. So the circumstances surrounding Nicole Mallett's death are puzzling. The manner of death is ruled undetermined. It seems like suicide isn't something that many people lean towards, but it isn't something that can be ruled out either. Nicole left her home a few days before Thanksgiving and was never seen again. A year after her disappearance, her body was found within the same vicinity of her home, also close to where she disappeared. Nicole lived with her boyfriend, who was also the father of their children. The two had been together for 18 years, but Nicole was actually married for a short time before this, before this tumultuous relationship began. Allegedly, Nicole's long-term boyfriend was abusive, but even if he wasn't, because he hasn't been proven guilty in court, they had an incredibly toxic relationship. I mentioned Nicole was married before the relationship she had with her long-term boyfriend. Nicole's ex-husband had seemed to have moved on with his life, though. Her ex-husband had his own family now. The two had been split up for almost two decades, but he was the last person known to have seen Nicole. This is another unsolved case, so a lot of the information is hearsay, but we do our best to relay accurate information, but there is often conflicting information posted online. This is one of the hardest things about doing these unsolved cases in our area, but I feel like they are the cases that need to be talked about the most because they need the attention. So, Nicole Shaley Mallett was born on June 19th in 1993 in St. Louis, Missouri, to her mother, Deborah Ann Lewis, and her father, Tony Lewis. Nicole's mother and father live in St. Louis, almost five hours away from where Nicole went missing. They tried their best to speak out and be there for their daughter, but it wasn't like they were even in the same town and able to be there full-time. Nicole's mother and father had 11 children, two girls, and nine boys. Nicole would have celebrated her 40th birthday just a couple of weeks ago. 
Nicole was a daughter, mother, sister, aunt, and grandmother. Nicole had four children, and I'm going to do my best to make this make sense. Um, so Nicole's oldest was fathered by somebody else, but shared Richie, the ex-husband's last name. Richie was not the father, they just had the same last name. Nicole's oldest child was the same age as Brad's oldest child, but Nicole considered them to both be hers. She had raised Brad's little girl since she was two years old, and Nicole's family still considers that to be her daughter. Nicole and Brad then had two more children together. So altogether, the couple had four kids. Brad and Nicole had a very messy relationship, and everybody knew about it. Brad reportedly said that one of his best friends would kill for Brad's family and that Brad would do the same for his family. Nicole's sister-in-law described Nicole as down-to-earth and said that she loved her children very much. Nicole isn't technically a grandmother, but she was very active in raising her niece, who has a child, so her niece and great-nephew, which Nicole considered to be like her daughter and grandson. Nicole was considered to be the grandmother to that baby, so that's why they list that she was also a grandma though Nicole's actual biological children don't have any children. In several interviews, Nicole's friends and family describe Nicole as beautiful inside and out and a wonderful mother to her four children. One of her friends said that Nicole made her the mother she is today. Nicole's entire family seemed to adore her, and they are willing to do anything to bring her justice. Some of the information we received actually came from Nicole's sister-in-law, so she gave us a pretty good insight on who Nicole was and how everybody cherished their relationship with her. Nicole was just 36 years old when she was last seen on November 26th of 2019. Nicole had brown hair, blue eyes, and was 5 foot 2 inches tall and weighed 120 pounds. She was a very petite woman, which is important to remember because of the manner of her death. Nicole was last seen wearing a gray v-neck, black sweatpants, and a black backpack. Nicole wasn't reported missing until three days after she was last seen near her home in Butler, Missouri, where she lived with her long-term boyfriend, Brad Shreve, and their four children. Nicole's sister was also able to clear up for us that the house Brad lived in was on a property with two other houses that his family members lived in nearby. So I'm going to tell you a little about Butler now because it's just a very rural town located about an hour south of Kansas City and is part of the Kansas City metropolitan area. Butler is known as the Electric City because it was the first city west of St. Louis with electric lights. For our local listeners, Butler is almost three hours from our hometown of Mansfield. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of Nicole's disappearance and the time her body was found just because there are random cases that are further than that and we hear about them all the time. It's crazy to me how some cases are big in the media and others barely have any publicity. Just because Butler is a pretty small town, that doesn't make it free of crime. The crime rate in Butler is higher than 87% of the United States cities. That doesn't totally shock me, just because it seems like the closer you get to Kansas City or St. Louis, you hear of more crimes occurring. I don't think we have many listeners not from Missouri, but I know we have a couple, so I wanted to give a little insight for them. Kansas City and St. Louis are like our big cities that we have to go for advanced medical care in our area. They have like Ikea and the Cheesecake Factory. Those are both big things, and they both have really good zoos. So a lot of people try to make a trip out of it. 
My youngest needs a pediatric ophthalmologist, and those were the closest options for us. They are both exactly three and a half hours away, so we're kind of in the middle, but that kind of gives you an idea, too, of how far Nicole was from her family. Anyways, Butler is located in Bates County and has a population of just over 4,000 people, according to the 2010 census. On Google Maps, it it shows that Butler is the home of Ripley's smallest tombstone. That has literally nothing to do with the case, but I just thought it was an odd fact and wanted to throw it out there because I could see it on Google Maps like it was a big deal. It doesn't look like there's a whole lot to do in Butler, but in true Missouri fashion, there's a Dollar Tree and a McDonald's. So, Nicole Mallett was last seen on the evening of November 26th of 2019 when her ex-husband, Richie Mallett, dropped her off down the hill from her house. This is the same place that her ex-husband picked her up earlier that evening so that they could hang out. The fact that Nicole was sneaking down the road to meet her ex-husband is really odd to me. First of all, she was an adult, so if you're sneaking around as an adult, that's a red flag for me. In my opinion, either she was doing something she didn't want people to know about or she was scared of someone. I mentioned that Nicole was 36 when she disappeared and had been with her current boyfriend for 18 years, so she would have been around 18 or 19 when she was married the first time. Nicole and Richie's marriage had been incredibly short and at a much different point in her life. Nicole had always remained friends with Richie even after splitting up. They were married young and they thought they were in love. They both say that they were each other's first love. Nicole was a mother now and a real adult. I know at 18 you're legally an adult, but you just haven't experienced much at that point in your life. Nicole's ex-husband, Richie Mallett, has his own life now too. Richie is married and has children of his own. Nicole's sister-in-law's ex-husband actually works with Nicole's ex-husband. Richie says that he would never have done anything to Nicole and he had to clear his name for his own reputation. He had nothing to gain from Nicole's death, which I'm sure anybody would say if they were being investigated for a crime, but there isn't really a lot of motive that I can think of. There was a news report done regarding the disappearance of Nicole, a two-part series actually, and Richie declined the opportunity to speak to them. This could be a red flag, but I can also understand why Richie would want to separate himself from the investigation. I would imagine that this is something that brings up a lot of negative memories in his own life and probably his relationship with his wife. Even if Richie and Nicole didn't have any physical contact, just the fact that they were meeting up would make me mad if I was Richie's wife. If I was Richie's wife. I'm sure it would have made Brad mad too, considering that the two were meeting down the hill from Nicole's house. Just to remind you, Brad was Nicole's boyfriend. I don't think Nicole wanted their children to see or Brad to find out. This is why I assume that Richie did not pick her up or drop her off directly at her house. Both options were too risky, and there were allegations that Brad could be abusive. While Nicole and Richie had been separated and living their own lives, it doesn't look like Nicole and Richie were divorced until recently legally. November 2nd, 2017 is the date of the dissolution, according to CaseNet. The two didn't have any children together, and they'd been separated for so long, I'm sure that it was just a formality at this point. Richie married his current wife, January 12th of 2018, just a couple of months after the divorce was finalized. 
I would say the reason that he officially got divorced to Nicole was just so that he could marry his current wife legally. Richard had a couple of old charges regarding distribution or possession of controlled substances, but all of the charges seemed to be from a different time in his life because they were all around the same time frame. Richie's hometown was Butler, and that's where he and Nicole went to school. It sounds like the two were just married young and went their separate ways early on in life. Um, Nicole's sister-in-law said that the reason that her and Richie actually reconnected was because his mother had passed recently and she saw his father out in town and she just wanted to make sure it was okay to bring him a dinner, um, to bring Richard's father a dinner. There is a story I'll tell you later about Brad catching Nicole with another man in their house. He isn't named and Brad had a relationship quickly after Nicole's disappearance. So both of those facts make it clear that Nicole and Brad did have a rocky relationship and potentially both cheated on each other. But it is just odd that she still had a relationship, whether it be friendship or not, with her ex from 18 years back. They both had apparently moved on with their lives, but I wouldn't think they would want to be risking their current relationship by remaining in contact. Anyways, Richie was apparently the last person to see Nicole after he dropped her off, and she was going to walk back home. On November 29th of 2019, Brad's family reported Nicole missing because they hadn't heard from her in three days. I think it's important to note that Brad's family reported Nicole missing just because it takes, just because they seem to take a lot of heat from the public later on. If Brad was responsible for Nicole's disappearance, you would think that they wouldn't report Nicole missing. Nicole's family didn't even know she was missing until the Friday following her disappearance. This is weird because at one point in time, a few years before Nicole disappeared this time, Nicole was visiting her brother and sister-in-law and left their location with another man. The next morning, Brad was freaking out because Nicole hadn't come home and nobody knew where she was. Brad and Nicole's brother spent all day looking for her. The family find it weird that he was so concerned and freaking out during that first instance, like he should have been, when Nicole had just disappeared for less than 24 hours, but he wasn't actually concerned when she had been missing for three days, or not in their opinion anyways. Now, on the other hand, Nicole's ex-husband was actually the one to contact Nicole's mother to see where Nicole was. The family was shocked because they were not even aware that she was missing. Brad didn't even call her family to see if she was with them before reporting her missing. Richie found out when he was being questioned about being the last one to see her, and he began working to clear his name. Initially, they weren't sure of the circumstances of Nicole's disappearance. Her and Brad had been fighting the day she left, and some people threw around the idea that she could have been suicidal. The sheriff's department friends and family performed search parties looking for Nicole, but came up empty-handed. On December 5th of 2019, Nicole's phone, backpack, shoes, and wallet were discovered near where she was last seen. There are a couple of conflicting reports that just list a couple of those items, so I just included everything I found that had been mentioned. The belongings were located within 500 yards from Nicole's home and next to a creek. This creek was just off of the road where Nicole was dropped off by Richie. The creek ran behind Brad and Nicole's house next to where she was dropped off, and then it continued onto a farmer's property. This area was searched thoroughly, and the cadaver dogs were brought in after finding her belongings. When a cadaver dog picked up a scent at the edge of the water, dive crews were called in to investigate and search the creek. 
The dive crew leader is confident that Nicole was not in the area they searched when they searched it or they would have found her. He claims his best divers were down there, so it's not even a question that they missed her body. So I'm sure you can guess just by what I've told you this far that there are two confirmed persons of interest, Brad, the boyfriend, and Richie, the ex-husband. Brad was the significant other, and Richie was the last person to see Nicole. Both Brad and Richie have been questioned multiple times by the sheriff's department. They have also both been administered polygraph tests, but the sheriff's department will not release the results because it is an open investigation. I have such mixed feelings about polygraphs when someone refuses to take a lie detector or does not pass one that they did take. I think it's a red flag either way. However, I would not take one whether I was innocent or guilty just for the fact that they're not reliable, so I'm fully aware that I have a double standard here. While a polygraph does not deem someone guilty or innocent, Brad's fiancé was bragging in a Facebook comment that he had passed his polygraph. I think it's important to note this information did not come from the sheriff's department, but it is just coming from hearsay. According to the sheriff's department, there are a couple of other people in the circle that aren't named, but aren't cleared either. This quote came from the sheriff. Logan, do you want to read this for us? Sure. The sheriff was quoted saying, We have not excluded anybody, whether it be family, friends, boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands, we're still treating it like it could be foul play. Brad's new relationship raises a lot of red flags for me just because he moved on so quickly and the conflicting statements that are made. For example, there are supposedly rumors that Brad and his current girlfriend slash fiance had a relationship prior to Nicole going missing. In Facebook comments, she combated that rumor by saying the police confiscated her phone and confirmed that the two were not having a relationship prior to Nicole's disappearance. There was another rumor going around that Nicole and Brad's current fiancé were in a fight prior to Nicole disappearing, though. The fiancé says that she never put hands on Nicole, but there is video footage of Nicole hitting her. So if the relationship didn't start until after the disappearance of Nicole, why were she and Nicole fighting? It would be very weird if the fight was not related to the relationship with Brad, but I guess it's possible. If it was something else, did Brad just pursue his fiancé after the fight? January 30th, 2020 is the first post that Brad's new girlfriend tagged him in. Nicole had only been missing a couple of months before they were posting their relationship on Facebook. March 9th of 2020, they were Facebook official and in a relationship. June of 2020, Brad's new girlfriend was posting that he already had her name tattooed on him. They're now engaged and have a child together, as as well as raising Brad and Nicole's children. I just think that the relationship moved incredibly fast for someone whose long-term girlfriend disappeared without a trace. Brad and Nicole's children seem to be involved in the lives of their father and his new woman. Brad didn't even know Nicole was dead at the time of all this happening, though, and he was moving on. He didn't know if she ran away, if she encountered foul play, or what happened to her. Okay, so (laughs) I know we're not supposed to be biased, but after listening to you read that last paragraph, I am like in utter shock. Um, I totally agree. You don't move on that quickly if you don't know what happened to, you know, the mother of your children. Um, that's really fishy to me. I don't, can't even imagine, first off, how 
her family feels, how his family feels, how the children feel when you don't know where your mom is, you don't know where your daughter is, and now Brad and your dad has this new girlfriend that has basically just taken over that whole role like nothing has happened. Like that's honestly nuts to me. It's so crazy because it all takes place in such a short period of time. I can understand maybe if after a couple of years he would have moved on, but he was giving it days and he was out of there. Nicole's family didn't like that either. They were not allowed to see Nicole's children for a while, but this is where there are two sides to every story and we have to play devil's advocate again. So Nicole's family believes that they were being kept from the kids. Brad's fiance says that the children made the decision on their own. They were tired of their family members talking bad about their father and their only living parent. Nicole's daughter, Jaden, commented that Nicole's family accused her with having something to do with her mother's disappearance. I found Jaden's comments on several of Brad's fiance's posts, and it seems like she has picked a side with her father. I don't think the kids should have to pick a side of their family after just losing their mother, but I think all of the adults were just in a really sticky situation. I can understand why it would be hard when you aren't sure what happened to a family member. And Nicole's family felt like they were just trying to protect the kids by telling them what they knew. Brad wasn't charged or convicted of any crimes related to Nicole's disappearance, though. While Nicole's children did temporarily lose touch with their maternal family members because of everything going on, their relationship has since been rekindled, and Nicole's family just doesn't talk to the kids about who they feel is the main suspect. Some Facebook comments I found claim that Brad's family has money, and that's why he's always being bailed out of jail so quickly after being arrested. Brad has a whole list of reports on CaseNet. It appears he's been in trouble for not paying his bills, domestic assault, um unlawful possession of a firearm, receiving stolen property, resisting or interfering with the arrest for a felony, and several more. However, Brad Shreve, Nicole's 18-year boyfriend, claims to not be involved in the disappearance of Nicole. He does acknowledge that they had a rocky relationship, but he says that he was not even home at the time of her disappearance. On November 26th, Nicole and Brad got into a pretty big fight. He went to his father's house in Butler, which is about 20 minutes away. Um, Brad says that he would not take his children's mother from them, and now this isn't from official sources, but in a Facebook comment, there were claims that Brad is seen on on video surveillance at his father's house, and like I mentioned earlier, they do claim he was able to pass a lie detector test. Nicole's friends and family are very involved in the case. Nicole's mother says that a lot of people know what happened to her daughter and that neither of them will be at peace until someone is held accountable for what happened to Nicole. Heather Smith has been friends with Nicole for 20 years and was begging Nicole to leave her relationship with Brad at the time of Nicole's disappearance. Nicole told Heather that she was going to leave after Thanksgiving if things didn't change. Nicole disappeared before Thanksgiving came. The family has had a lot of hard feelings towards law enforcement, and they do not feel like Bates County Sheriff's Office has done their job. The family even made their own posters regarding information related to Nicole's disappearance, and they're asking that people reach out to Nicole's mother or sister and then the tip line. They don't even include the sheriff's number on the poster. I read in the Facebook group for Nicole that her brother had heard rumors of what happened and who was involved. I really sympathize with the family of Nicole because I know they just want justice for their girl, but it just isn't possible to legally get justice without involving the proper channels of authority. 
I also speculate that the sheriff already knows who was involved and why because of how the sheriff has acted regarding this case. The sheriff, Chad Anderson, said that they have to work with what evidence shows and only what they can prove in court beyond a reasonable doubt. I think the fact they aren't just trying to write off Nicole's death as suicide despite not being able to find any signs of foul play is a good sign and that they are dedicated to finding the truth. I can sympathize with the family, though, because I'm sure time goes incredibly slow when you're waiting on justice. Logan, do you want to read this quote from Chad Anderson, the Bates County Sheriff? Yes. Chad Anderson was quoted saying, There's a lot of rumors we chase down around there, but somebody firsthand knows what we're looking for. This reminded me of a conversation we had with Chris DeGase when we were researching the disappearance of Renee Williams. He mentioned that in a small town, you have a lot of rumors that go around and you have to chase them down, but often they are just rumors that don't lead to anything. I imagine this is what Sheriff Chad Anderson is dealing with, too. While the family might be hearing a lot of rumors, rumors are not enough to convict someone and they have to chase each one down. Nicole's family isn't totally crazy for their speculations, though. There are several events that led up to Nicole's disappearance that were very telling. In 2018, Brad walked in on Nicole sleeping with another man in his house. Brad beat the man and then punched Nicole in the face. Brad received two assault charges. In text to her family, Nicole talked about how controlling and paranoid Brad is. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I'm sure it really is hard to trust each other after infidelity. Just looking in as an outsider, it seems like they were both probably guilty of cheating on each other and had very little trust in their relationship. On October 13th of 2019, Nicole called the police to report a domestic disturbance. Nicole supposedly then asked the dispatcher not to send anyone out. An officer was already en route, who Nicole then asked to leave, saying that she did not want an officer to show up. Nicole also claimed it was just a verbal abuse happening. The officer asked if he could look around, and after being granted permission, he found an illegal marijuana grow and a gun. Brad was charged with the illegal marijuana grow and felony possession of a gun. Neither Brad nor Nicole wanted to press charges against each other. The deputy at the scene made sure the couple were aware that they could both face charges if called out again unnecessarily. After this clarification, though, Nicole began begging the officer to take Brad to jail. The deputy stated in his report that he felt like Brad was a danger to the community. A few days following this event, more cryptic texts were sent out. Logan, um, if you want to read these texts for me as I go, this first one is October 19th in 2019, and this is a message from Nicole to her aunt. Nicole said, Hello, this is Nicole. I'm sorry. I didn't call the other day. I don't know what to do anymore. If I don't leave here soon, he is going to end up killing me. The next day, Nicole texts a close friend this message. Hey, this is my cell. It's Nicole. He flipped out on me last night. I need to get away ASAP. Just two days before her disappearance, though, on November 24th, Nicole contacted her sister-in-law, Sarah, asking if she could stay there for a few days. Nicole couldn't tell Sarah why, but it raised red flags immediately. Nicole's exact text said this, I might need to come and stay a couple of days with you guys if I can, or can you take me to my mom's? Call me when you can. 
There was another text sent to her friend that said this. Please come and get me today. He is going to end up killing me. I just have to get out of here, please. Shortly before Nicole's disappearance, she had began planning a large Thanksgiving meal for her family. Nicole had been calling her mother and getting recipes and was very excited to cook the meal with her children. So even after all of those crazy messages and events that happened, Nicole was planning to stay in the house until at least Thanksgiving. Nicole's mother actually spoke to her the day of her disappearance regarding the recipes and didn't feel like Nicole was in immediate danger. Nicole's family was adamant from the beginning that Nicole would never willingly leave her children and that these texts seemed to be the reason behind that. Nicole was just trying to make things work at home for her kids. Nicole's loved ones were confident that she would not have committed suicide, which others speculated when she first disappeared. November 3rd of 2020, nearly one year after the disappearance of Nicole Shaylee Mallet, officers responded to a call of potential human remains near a bean field in rural Bates County. This call came through around 1.30 p.m., and just a few hours later, the investigators confirmed that they were indeed human remains. By the following Friday, the remains were confirmed to have been Nicole Mallet. A farmer was actually the one to find Nicole's remains when he was plowing his fields. He found a femur and a pair of sweatpants. Upon further investigation, he found his way down to the creek where the rest of the remains were located. The creek Nicole's remains were found is the same creek that her personal belongings had been found next to a year earlier. She was located just further north than authorities had searched. So either Nicole's body had floated further down the creek by the time of investigation, she went in the creek at a different location, or she had been trapped under one of the various trees, beaver dams, etc. on the creek. I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that she could have just floated out of that area that was searched by the time her belongings were found. There were nine days between when Nicole was last seen and her belongings being found. However, the sheriff stands by his statement that there was nothing else that they could have done. He is confident that they thoroughly searched the area, and Nicole's family even states that they don't know how she wasn't seen, so I think that her body must have been trapped under something. Chad Anderson, the Bates County Sheriff, said that he treats all death like a murder until proven otherwise. Some people speculated that Nicole could have gone off and committed suicide, and investigators can't rule that out. But like I mentioned earlier, Nicole's family says this isn't even an option, and they're confident that she would have never left her children. Greg Mullinax is the Bates County coroner. Greg cannot confirm the cause of death from the remains due to the level of decomposition and the fact that there are no signs of trauma to her bones. Greg marked the death as undetermined, but he has asked for help to get answers for the family. After reaching out to Kansas City, Kansas and Washburn, Topeka, they determined that Nicole's body had been in the elements for less than 18 months, which matches the timeline, but doesn't really tell us anything. Greg does think it is significant that the remains weren't buried. If they were at least buried, it would be easy to rule foul play. Nobody can commit suicide and then bury their own body. However, just being found in the creek leaves the opportunity for different causes of death. Coroner Greg Mullinex was able to find a healed fractured collarbone and a fracture where the neck meets the back. These were healed, though, and could have been injuries from any point in Nicole's life. The University of Nebraska didn't have any conclusions on the remains. So that is really where the investigation is at as of now. We can't confirm that Nicole's death was a result of foul play, but we can't rule it out either. 
Nicole Mallett's family feels like the police department could have done better. They didn't reach out to outside resources when the family feels like it was essential. Nicole was described in, on her tribute page as a very loving mother, daughter, sister, niece, aunt, and grandmother. They say that she will always be terribly loved and missed by everyone that knew and loved her. You can check us out on our socials to find pictures related to this week's case on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod, or follow us on Facebook at Bones, a true crime podcast and email us with any questions or case suggestions at Bones, a true crime podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you guys next week.